Sunday morning. Hey, who is enjoying the new freedom that we've got as our restrictions are lifting slowly? Um, so excited. Come on, let me know if you've already been to the cinema or if you've already sat in a restaurant. If you've got a reservation for a restaurant, that's a miracle in itself. Uh, but so glad that uh, we're able to come out of this lockdown and um, get closer to being able to be together regularly, which is amazing. But today we are in week five. Can you believe that? Week five of our Rhythm series. And if you are a guest with us today, if you're if you're new to home, we'd like to say a big hello to you. So just say a big hello in the chat. Come on, guys. We, we know how to welcome family. And um, we're in the middle of a series called Rhythms. And so today I want to talk about a rhythm of prayer, a rhythm of prayer. I've got two scriptures and then we're going to jump into this together. So Philippians 4, 6, it says this, do not be anxious about anything. That's a big statement from the Apostle Paul. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And 1 Peter 2, 9 says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Today, I want to I want to take some time to talk about how do we create this rhythm of praying for our condition where we're at, but from the right position. So praying for our condition, but from the right position. You know, early in my faith journey, um, I never fully understood the power of prayer if I'm honest, and let me know if you were the same. Just just didn't really understand prayer. I knew its importance, but I, I, I didn't fully recognize its power or its potential. Um, <clears throat> I was raised in Caribbean household, and you know, my, 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 my dad is from Trinidad and my mum's from Dominica. And so I was raised in this Caribbean household. And when it comes to prayer in my Caribbean household that was raised in with my Caribbean family uh, and heritage, prayer happened often. It happened often. But one of the main kind of circumstances where prayer happened was before we ate food. It was always a big deal. When family got together, saying grace was huge. It was massive. And, you know, you'd look at the widespread of food on the table. You know, you've got your big jug of gravy. I'm talking this gravy is just full of no nutrition. <laughs> it's just gravy. And then you've got chicken and you've got you've got curry goat and you've got lamb and you've got you've got the plantain and the list goes on and on and on and on. Let me know if you know what else would be on the table or what you'd want to be on the table in the chat. And you have everything on the table and someone would stand up ready to say grace and they would say typically this say this, this, this prayer and maybe you say a similar prayer as grace. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Bless it to my body. Make it nutritious for me. Amen. And that was a prayer that was common in our family, it was a prayer that was common uh, when we go for Christmas or whatever times together. But I always found it so funny when, when, when I came to faith, when I became a Christian, when, when I'd hear this prayer, because after the prayer, I'd look at the table and I'd think, we're asking God to perform a miracle right now because I'm looking at the gravy. I'm looking at all of the fatty food. I'm like, we're asking God to, to make this nutritious 
for our body. I know that God can turn, you know, wine into water, but I've never seen him turn gravy into water. Like, I don't know what he can, can do. That was my image of prayer. Or there was a, there was a, a amazing guy who was also just show up and be a part of our, a part of our family was, uh, his name was Brother Williams. A lot of respect for Brother Williams. And Brother Williams would always, have the most long-winded prayers. I mean, it was so long-winded. He'd say, Father, I beseech thee. I speak to the almighty, sovereign, incomprehensible God. And he would go on and, and everyone's kind of peeking. Like, you, you're still going, brother. You're <laughs> still going. You need a translator for the prayer. There was, there was such a variety of prayer. And what, what happens is, after a while, if you don't fully understand the power of prayer or you understand the importance of prayer, you kind of lose the rhythm of prayer. Often we just don't pray if, if, if we're really honest with ourselves. And, and it's not really a prayer life. It's, it's more like a, a prayer once in a while. And the rhythm becomes irregular when actually prayer is the most powerful thing that we possess as believers to be able to communicate with God. But it's when we learn how to pray for our condition, where we currently are, from the right position, that's when really it holds its full power. And we see the Apostle Paul, as we read in Philippians 4, 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. You know, in our world today and in society, fear and anxiety is crippling the world. And maybe you're experiencing anxiety, maybe you're experiencing fear, even today as I'm sharing. You know, the original word here for anxiety in the Greek is merimeneo, merimeneo. And merimeneo means this, it means to be drawn in opposing directions. It means to be pulled apart, literally means to be pulled in different directions. But isn't that true of the feeling of anxiety and the, the feeling of, of fear? Isn't it that that pulling between positivity and negativity, that pulling between uh, will this happen and won't this happen, this two opposing feelings and suddenly it's being pulled apart, will versus won't. So, so, so is God saying just stop being anxious and just pray? Is, is God saying just get over it and, and pray? No, no, no. God, God's actually presenting an idea to counteract the indecision of anxiety. That when we are torn between two ideas, when we're torn between two emotions, when maybe is versing, possibly you interject with a third option into the equation using prayer, that there is another person who's involved in this marriage. There is another person involved in this, in this uh, job, in our ministry and what we're doing in our day to day. And through prayer, we then interject with a third option. Prayer is so powerful. Do not be anxious about anything, it says, but pray about everything. You know, in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, there was something so strange. There's something so strange in there. When you read it, it says that the, the priests, the priests weren't allowed to go into the presence of God with any worries or any anxiety. They weren't even allowed to, and then it goes even further. They weren't even allowed to sweat. This is the Middle East. Like, it's hot and you're not allowed to sweat. And I remember reading that. There's a bunch of scriptures. Uh, reading that one and going, like, God, God what? 
what were you what were you thinking like what what's going on here they're not allowed to to sweat they're not allowed to have anxiety when they go in the presence of god and then there was a really clear process what they had to do is they had to walk uh they had to walk slowly and uh, it was very methodical but at a slow pace and they had to keep their eyes fixed on the Ark of the Covenant that was in the room. The Ark of the Covenant, I've spoken about it before. It represents the presence of God. So they would have to walk into the room with their eyes slowly fixed on God. They had to slowly keep on walking in with a slow pace, a slow rhythm, a slow tempo with their eyes fixed on God. And God was setting a tone. He was setting a rhythm for us today where we live that we are now the temple of God. He now lives in us and he wants to show us a rhythm of what should be going on in our hearts, that there should be a slow tempo, a posture that is focused on God. How do we do that? How do we do it daily? It's through prayer. How do we keep that rhythm? How do we keep that posture? How do we counteract anxiety? How do we counteract fear? It's through consistent prayer. It's, it's, it's when we, it's when we realize and understand and remind ourselves through prayer that when God, when, when, when we're faced with anxieties, when we're faced with things that aren't our way, that when we stop, God is still working. Psalm 121 verse four says, God never sleeps. He never, he never sleeps. Do, do you realize that God has never been stressed? Like he, he's, he's never experienced stress. Uh, he's not worried. Uh, you know, God's not worried about your finances. He's not sitting in heaven stressing about your bank account. Going, oh, how are they going to get through that? No, he, 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 he doesn't stress. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He has a focus on us, his children, who he loves. You know, it's interesting in Genesis 1, God saw the world and it was dark and formless. So it says that the, the, in Genesis 1, it says it was dark and formless. There was nothing there. He was staring at nothingness. And then he said a word, let there be light. And suddenly psh, everything began to be created. And over we see it over, you know, seven day, six day process. We start to see the world created. And then he said, it's good. But never once in the creation story, this is interesting, did he say that anything was bad. Even when he was staring at nothingness, even when he was staring at darkness, God still didn't say, this is really bad. But isn't it interesting that when we see nothingness in our lives, maybe where we're at, things aren't where we want them to be, or we're not where we want to be. Things are looking broken. Things are looking difficult. Things are looking dark. When we stare at the darkness, often we say, this is bad. But isn't it interesting that God doesn't? And see, how do we do that? How do we stare at nothingness? And counteract that is through prayer, through a constant rhythm of prayer. So how do we pray about our condition? Well, Philippians 4, 6, this helps us out. This scripture really frames it for us. It says through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. There's, there's the little, you want a cheat code? That's the cheat code. How do we counteract staring at nothingness? How do we, how do we build a strong foundation as believers? How do we see the impossible become possible? Well, it's through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. But we got to understand this at the beginning, the difference between prayer and petition. Now, petition, petition is asking God to do something. But we, we have to recognize that this, 
we have to recognize this because we, we, we can often think that we're praying to God, but really what we're doing is just making petitions. Uh, and all we ever do is just ask God for stuff. God, can I have this a little bit like a kid's Christmas list? You know, like I'm just asking constantly for things. When petition, petition is not like rubbing a lamp and getting a wish from a genie. No, petition is from a real need, like a real need, but spoken with a confidence that God will do it. Praying with a confidence that when I prayed, God is in heaven, like finally they've asked and he already knew and it's already done. So that's petition. And then you have prayer. There's a difference. I don't know if you knew there's a difference. Petition and prayer. What's prayer? Well, the Greek word is uh, prosekamai. Prosekamai. And this is what it means. It means to exchange wishes, to interact with God by switching human wishes and desires with his wishes and desires whilst receiving the faith to do it. So prayer is going to God to confirm if it's your will or if it's his. Uh, let, me, let me put it in, in simple terms, right? So when you petition, you're asking God to change things. But when you pray, you're asking God to change you. That's the friendship element. That's the relationship element. So when I'm praying, it's in, it, I'm conversing with God and I'm asking God to change me, work things out of me. And some of us are stuck in our prayers, praying for the same thing for years and years, because all you spend your time doing is just petition instead of prayer, because prayer prepares you for what you're asking for in petition. We need both. We need prayer and we need petition. See, when I know my petition has already been answered, now I spend the rest of the time saying, God, get me ready. God, get me ready for what is about to happen in my life. Isn't it interesting that in the Bible, it doesn't say to end our prayers with please. It says to end with amen. Uh, please is an English word that was introduced hundreds of years ago by the royal family. And it was to ensure that people knew and understood who had the power. So you would say please, because it was a dominance thing. It would show, okay, you're, you're the dominant, please, can I have this? Please, can I do this? And then suddenly it, it turned into etiquette. It became, it became just, this is what we say. This is just how we live. But instead of saying please, <clears throat> the Bible tells us to say thank you. It tells us to say, I'm thankful for what you've already done. It says to give thanks. Why? Because God doesn't need us to remind him that he's powerful. <laughs> he already knows that. He's a sovereign God. But instead to thank him in advance, which reminds us of how powerful he is. That it's already done when we ask. That's the type of God that we have. So prayer is preparing us. Let me give you an example. In Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24, this is, this is King David praying and prayer. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So he says, search me. In other words, what's in me, God, that needs to go? I don't know if you realize that Jesus came to save us from us, <laughs> So we, we absolutely need to pray for our condition. And God wants us to pray for our condition. And he wants to, he wants to see you. He wants to see me um, in everything that he's called us to be. 
He wants to see our lives thriving. He wants to see us growing and flourishing. And how can we do this? Through prayer. But we have to learn to pray from the right position. And maybe often, maybe there's even times where you've had prayers, where prayers or even petitions, where things haven't been answered, things haven't shifted. Have you ever considered that maybe, maybe just maybe you're praying just from the wrong position? 1 Peter 2, 9 says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Number one, three things. This is how we can understand our position. First one is we are a chosen people. We got to get there. You know that you're chosen. That's a big fact. God chose you. You may have been an oopsie moment to your parents, but you were intentional to God. Absolutely chosen by him. But it's not just that you were chosen. We are chosen. We are chosen. A people are chosen. And one of the ways that we lose the understanding of our position is in isolation. And God designed us to operate together as people, as believers. And that's why there's something so beautiful about collective prayer, praying with others, because it's it's not just about our voices getting louder. I don't know if you ever had that in a prayer meeting where someone just trying to shout, just shout, shout. It's not about that. It's not like we have to shout to heaven for God to hear us. But it's more that more than one of God's people are saying the same thing together. That's where the power is. Ephesians 1.4 says this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. You are chosen by God. When you pray, when, when I pray, we have to understand I'm chosen. I am chosen by God. Number two. We want to pray from the right position. We got to understand we are a royal priesthood. That when God sees you, the believer, he sees royalty and a priesthood. It's like, whoa, let me get my head around this. I'm just, I'm just Jill from Hertfordshire. No, 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 no. You are royalty and a priesthood. You know, in the Old Testament, you had kings who were not priests and you had priests who were not royalty. But through Jesus, you are both. Yeah, today in 2021, you are a royal priesthood. See, a king's job was to execute God's will on the earth. So when you walk into Sainsbury's, when you walk into your job, when you walk into your school, you actually stroll in as royalty. Whether or not people know it, (laughs) you are royalty. But that doesn't mean that you just go and start, you know, splashing cash or that you can start giving orders. No, the role of royalty in the kingdom of God is to execute God's will on the earth. So that's our role. But equally, we're a priest, a priesthood. And a priest was someone who represented the people to God. So it was the priest's responsibility to pray to God on behalf of the people. So our prayers are designed to go to God on behalf of the people just as much as for ourselves. That's a question we need to ask ourselves. How often are our prayers just centered around me, myself and I? And how often are our prayers priestly prayers, believing for not just the people in your world, but the world, what's happening around the world, what's happening in different nations, what's happening in my own backyard, what's happening 
in different schools that are in my region. You are called to be a priest in your prayers. That's your position. And you've got to remember, right, the priests in the Old Testament, they weren't royal. You can't just decide to be royal. You have to be born into it. But your royalty is is completely dependent on who your dad is. So when you pray, you've got to understand who your dad is. You have a father who has all authority, a father who has all power. So when you pray, you are praying from a position of royalty and a position of being a priest. Can you get any higher than that? And you just thought that you didn't know how to pray and you know, I don't have big long words. Do you think that royalty and a priest has to have big long words? No, your position is set. I don't know what to say. You just speak. And when you speak, your position is behind you of being royalty and a priesthood. You know, in Latin, priest literally means bridge. So let me ask you a question. Are you being a bridge in your prayer life for your family, for your community, for your world? It's powerful when we pray from the right position. And number three, the last one is we are a holy nation, God's special possession for God to be glorified through our prayers. God is working you out of you. (laughs) In other words, he's making us holy. So he's doing it, not us. It's not the fake try hard, do better. Uh, He is. We have become a holy nation in Jesus. You know, Ephesians 2, 4, 6 says this, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved, that he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Jesus sits on a throne in heaven, but this tells us that we are sitting in the king's courts. In other words, our prayers are not just from earth to heaven. No, our prayers are from heaven to earth because of Jesus. And verse seven, it goes on, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he's done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take any credit for it. It's a gift. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it, but we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. There's the position again. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. How do you know you are a special possession? Because you are God's masterpiece. He made no mistake when he when he chose you. He made no mistake when he spoke to you. He is right into the world through you. You are God's special possession. So when you pray to God from this position, we pray differently. We don't pray begging God to do things, but I pray now instead because I am royalty. I am a priesthood. I am a chosen people. I am a holy nation. I am a special possession. So I'm praying for my condition, for everyone's condition, but from the right position. And now impossible things become possible. And even right now, as you're watching, maybe you're like, well, Daryl, I, I just I just don't know if if this is me, if I'm included in that. Really, that's my position, that God sees me as royalty and absolutely he does. 
And, and so right now, I want to pray for you, wherever you're watching. If you're saying, Daryl, I, I, I struggle with that concept of knowing, knowing how, how, how God sees me and who I actually am to God. I want to pray for you because that revelation will change everything, that you are not just a worm to God. You are seen as his child who he loves, but equally royalty and a priesthood. So Father, I pray for each person who's watching you saying, God, give me that revelation. Give me that understanding. Lord, I pray that they'll understand that they are a special possession to you, Lord, that you see them in such a beautiful way, Lord, that you chose them, you selected them, that you are walking with them. And Lord, when they pray, they pray not small prayers, but big prayers, not because of long words or because of knowledge, Lord, but they pray these prayers because of their position. And still praying today, if you're watching and you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about, if you today are saying, I want to be in relationship with this God, I want to know who this God is that you're talking about, Daryl, very quickly in a moment, I'm going to say a prayer. And you could you could say that prayer with me. And what that prayer is, it's not a magic kind of magic potion or magic words. All it is, is you making the decision to say, God, I want to know you. I want to walk with you. So if that's you, we're going to say this prayer and I want you to repeat it after me if you're saying, I want to know this Jesus. So I want you to say, Jesus, today I choose to follow you. Amen.